Hello's the echo. No. Is it really echo? How loud is this? How loud is this? All right. Hopefully loud enough. All right. Check. One, two, one, two. Okay, okay. There's a little echo. No, that's bad. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuned in to Own No Loops. Uh, I'm Marcus. I'm Gene. And uh, thank you for listening. This is episode eight. Yeah, yeah. And what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to have a extravaganza. <laughs> uh, this is... If you, you want to call it that, sure, why not? Well, yeah, I guess that's... I guess I'm setting myself up for... <laughs> heavy criticism anyway and failure that too <laughs> um so this episode is going to be the first in a series on the history of the female MC. um this episode we're gonna go from 1979 until 1992 touching on the um key, I guess, touch points, uh, history markers as far as achievements of the female MC, some of the first, and some of your favorites, and maybe even some uh, MCs that you may not know about. I mean, if your hip-hop history starts in the middle middle 90s, then this might all be new to you. And if it uh, starts way back in 1979, then uh, maybe there might be some missing pieces, but uh, we hope that you find this episode interesting and uh, useful. Yeah. So, um, let's begin. Go for it. Go for it. So, before 1979, you know, there's the rap history in general is a little undocumented, let's say. Yeah, and, you know, it was that fusion of uh, rap coming in, and I guess disco slowly sliding out, and there may have been um, uh, uh, artists, male and female, during the 70s that we probably would never hear about or never know of, and, um, you know, we're just going to go with whatever recorded history that we can get. If you are of that time and want to tell us some more, uh, of course, you can contact us, and we'll go into how to contact us later, but... We're going to go with what we know, what we've heard, what we've read, and uh, take it from there. That's right. So, pre-79, um, formed in 1976, you have a group called the Mercedes Ladies. I like that name. Yeah, it, it rhymes, which is appropriate <laughs> for rap. Yes. Um, so, what do you know about this group? Because I'll admit, I have never heard of them. Um, so, so, what do you know about them? Uh, I know a little bit. I know that they are um, considered the first female rap group. They never really had a uh, album to their credit, but right. there is a tape, an infamous tape out there, which uh, they recorded. You could actually find it on YouTube. It's about 10 minutes of them just rapping and rapping and rapping and rapping. Mm-hmm. The group was formed in 1976, so they've got an anniversary as of last year, about 40 years ago. Wow. Eight-woman group. Um, Sherry Cher wrote a semi-biographical novel on um, this group a few years back. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, they are considered to be the first um, group, um, but no record deal, unfortunately. So there's really not much to be said as far as um, chart performance or... Um, their contributions to uh, the history, but definitely check out that 10-minute uh, record and see what you think. But basically, that's where it all begins. Yeah, and um, that book is called Mercedes Ladies, and so it could be an interesting read. Okay, we'll uh, keep on going. Um, yes, we've got uh, uh, I guess a little bit more tangible um, uh, uh, material here. So, uh, Funky Four Plus One, which included uh, Shah Rock, Sharon Green. Now, she was the plus one in the Funky Four Plus One. Right. Um, now, uh, they were on Sugar Hill Records, which was uh, one of the earliest uh, record labels and, of course, was infamous for a lot of acts and records, of course. Rapper's Delight being one of those uh, famous records. Mm-hmm. Now, Funky Four Plus One... Um, they had the first uh, female MC actually on record on Wax. 
Right. Um, and several songs, probably That's the Joint would be the most known song um, because of the, uh, the sample, um, mm-hmm. which was used later for I Got a Man by Positive K. Right. And um, there are other records that A they... song which, just by the way, does not feature a female MC. <laughs> you just had to mention that, did you? I did. Okay. Yes, that's actually him rhyming, in case you didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, really sped up. Um, but uh, they did have other records, like Rappin' and Rockin' the House in 79 on Joy Records. That was their first record. Yeah. Uh, sample Got to Be Real by Cheryl Lynn. Uh, that's the joint which I mentioned. Uh, their first televised appearance was actually with uh, Blondie on SNL. Um, they also opened for Blondie a few times at concerts. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of uh, people... And we'll talk about Blondie in a second. But um, they, they they definitely got their, uh, their visibility. You can uh, definitely Google some video of some concert performances, some rare concert performances... Uh, for them that um, will have you moving and grooving, believe me. Um, and they also uh, were the subject of a book published in 2010, uh, The Story of the Beginning and End of the First Hip-Hop Female MC, uh, Luminary Icon Shah Rock. Well, she was the subject yeah. of the book, I should say. It's a mouthful. <laughs> yes, very long time. <laughs> yeah. And um, just to backtrack, when they were on SNL with Deborah Harry in 1991, Valentine's Day. Uh, that was actually the first televised appearance of rap, period. So, which is interesting that, you know, the first appearance of rap had a woman in it. So, I mean, women have what? been in it from the very beginning. And when was that? What year was that? 1981. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, let's move on. Again, with Sugar Hill Records, you have the group The Sequence. Um... They were the first female rap group on record, you know, an all-female group. Um, the members were include Angie B, Cheryl the Pearl, and Blondie. And you may know Angie B better as Angie Stone, the singer who, you know, she released an album in the 90s and had a baby with D'Angelo and, and all that good stuff. All that good stuff. And also, there was a little tie-in from the last group that we mentioned, one of the um, uh, one of the members of uh, Rodney C, I believe, uh, he after he left Funky Four Plus One, he actually went on later on to marry Angie B. Angie Stone. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> little little tie in there. That's that's interesting. <laughs> um, so the sequence is probably best known for the record Funk You Up, which uh, was actually the second record released on Sugar Hill Records. And um, it's been sampled many times. I'm sure, even if you don't know the song by name, you know either the the lyrics or the the beat itself. Um, it was sampled on "Keep Their Heads Ringing" by Dr. Dre. Ring, ding, dong. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, "Jimmy" by Boogie Down Productions, and um, "Ain't a Damn Thing's Changed" by WC and the Mad Circle. And um, their music is a mix of rap and R&B. I was actually listening to their second album earlier today, and it starts with like a ballad, basically. So, Angie Stone was singing on a lot of those records. And they kind of have a, again, they kind of have a mix of funk and of R&B, a little disco in there. So it's not strictly rap, but yeah. they do rap. Yeah, and um, it was back in a day when um, records were definitely longer. Yeah. Um, you uh, wouldn't be surprised to see a, a 10 minute oh, yeah. uh, record, and you're just, you know, going through two records over the course of half an hour, and just like, wow, this is going to be over. They just kept flowing, flowing, yeah. flowing, passing the mic back and forth. Yeah, shout out to everyone who has listened to the entire 12 minutes of uh, Rapper's Delight on Actually, Sirius 14 XM. minutes. 14, 14 minutes. Yes. Whoa, my oh, bad. Don't cheat them. <laughs> you know, after after the 12th minute, you just kind of get... It's like, whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... So next we have Lady B, who is from Philly. Um, arguably made the first Philly rap record ever with To The Beach Y'all in 1997 in sorry 1979 i got my numbers mixed up (laughs) 
<laughs> Excuse my dyslexia. Um, so yeah, she she did this record, not really known for too much else. Just you know, one of the first women to record, and um, later on she became known as a radio personality in Philly. Yeah, and she's done some uh, some uh, sessions in the classroom talking about the history of hip hop and, and her contribution. And um, I guess her opinions on how it's come along. And then, you know, the first thing that struck me about her record uh, when she first came on is the raspiness of her voice. And, um, you know, uh, I guess it was intended and it was never taken out or done over. Um, but it, it, it was unique to her. Um, definitely sets her apart from some of the other people that were just Okay. Um, so, moving on to 1981, we have the aforementioned uh, Deborah Harry of Blondie with the record Rapture, which uh, was released in 1981 on their album Auto American. Um, so, this was the first number one song to feature a rap on Historic it. Of course. Historic moment, man. Yeah. Historic. Um, it was also the first video shown on MTV that featured rap music. They used to show videos? There was a time, yes. <laughs> back in the age of dinosaurs. Uh, and... They still show videos like really early in the morning. Do they? <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> okay. I don't have cables. Anymore, so. But, um, yeah, so Deborah Harry was a member of the New York downtown art scene, you know, and she was hanging out with Fat Five Freddy, and I think he introduced her to Grandmaster Flash. So... They both got a mention on Rapture, which was basically like just her tribute to what was going on at, at the time. Yeah, and those mentions really uh, gravitated what was going on at that time because you got to think this wasn't the days of Hot 97, and as we no, mentioned, no. Uh, hip hop wasn't even on the television. No. So, you know, if there was any hip hop to be listened to or found on the radio, it was probably like three o'clock in the morning or in random clubs. In New York, in New York, it, it wasn't so much that um, you could just go into a record store and say, "Can I have that so and so record?" And for um, a group like uh, Blondie and Deborah Harry specifically, to mention them and to you know get people requesting uh, such and such a record after she's mentioned uh, Fat by Freddie was a big deal. So yeah. you know that hip hop, hip hop definitely got a push after. Yeah, and the irony of the first number one song with rap and the first video with rap on MTV being done by a white woman, that irony does not escape me. <laughs> Just wanted to mention that. Well, um, believe it or not, in the early days, the white people were there. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so speaking of white people, <laughs> you have honorary black person Tina Marie. AKA Lady T. Uh, she had the hit, the huge hit, the awesome song Square Biz. Square Biz. That's right. Um, 1981 from the album It Must Be Magic, which features a rap verse at the end from Tina Marie. Nice long rap verse. Yeah, it is. It is a long <laughs> rap verse. As well as a style at the time. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, uh, and yeah, that was a big hit. Still, you know, just classic record. Yeah, I mean, and the record on its own for the music has been sampled multiple times. And, um, you know, the... Uh, the firm verse, Biz. Yeah, Firm Biz, of course. The verse um, definitely was another one that was a big deal for um, female MCs uh, at that time. I mean... We're, you still have to picture in your head that this was long before uh, two female MCs uh, being featured on the same record or featured in a hip-hop beef or featured um, uh, within a, uh, twice on an album or, or what have you. It was very sparse. Yeah. So um, to have a rap song, a rap um, verse on an R&B Song, of course, also preceding um, R&B songs having a rap verse on like every other song was a right. big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely pioneering. 
Yeah, and this was also probably about, I think, a couple years before um, uh, when it really started catapulting into R&B when um, the verses were being featured when, um, uh, what song am I thinking about? I'm thinking about uh, Melly Mel and Shaka Khan, which was like oh, I, when you started to hear features. I feel for you. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. So, speaking of rat beefs, female rat beefs, 1984, you have the infamous Roxanne Wars. Roxanne, Roxanne! <laughs> um, so, there's a lot to go through here. We'll just kind of go through the, the highlights. So, in 1984, you have UTFO with the record Roxanne, Roxanne, which was actually a B-side of a record called Hanging Out that didn't really do too well. Um, but, um, yeah, Roxanne, Roxanne caught on samples uh big beat and was produced by full force and the record was huge and it's a record about you know the three guys in the group being rejected by this woman named roxanne the early sign of humility in rap yes. but um because <laughs> we all go through it at yeah, some point <laughs> it, it, absolutely so well not me because i'm you know i'm me but <laughs> and everyone else yeah i'm joking so um, from that, from, like, there's a story of um, UTFO was supposed to perform at a show that was being promoted by Marley Marl and DJ Mr. Magic, and they didn't show up. They didn't freaking show up! That's that's what they say. So, um, UTFO, I'm sorry, Marley Marl <laughs> and Mag Mr. Magic were talking about it, and supposedly Roxanne Shantae who lived in the same projects in Queens as um, Molly Marl, Queens Bridge to be specific, um, overheard that conversation and basically offered to record a response record, like right on the spot. And so like in between doing loads of laundry, she went up to Marley's apartment and recorded Roxanne, Roxanne, Roxanne's Revenge. Roxanne's at, Revenge. At uh, 15 years old. Um, this is a record that they basically just took the beat from uh, Roxanne Roxanne and recorded her verses over it. And um, like you can even hear uh, Roxanne Roxanne fade out at the very end of the record. Yeah, yeah. And it was actually um, a couple different versions. Yeah. Yeah, the first version uh, was a little... <laughs> was unedited and yeah. uh, was a little, a, little, a little more intense. Roxanne Shantae was rough like she was she's honestly one of the vicious rappers of that time one mm -hmm. of the most vicious rappers yeah. any gender just period she was just she was hard yeah and uh but yeah and there's there's an old classic video for this record and the video actually features the second version of the song which yeah. basically interpolates the um roxanne roxanne beat and um so after Roxanne's Revenge, you have, um, well, so, okay, UTFO did, like, an official response to Roxanne Roxanne called The Real Roxanne. What? Yeah. And so they had a woman who, Elise Jack, I believe was her name, basically recorded a song over the same beat as a response and then later on, the woman who played Roxanne in the Roxanne Roxanne video, uh, she hooked up with DJ Howie T, and she she put out an album on Select Records. Actually, she put out a single in 1985, and then put out an album in uh, 1988 called The Real Roxanne. And then she put out another album in 92 that I don't think anyone's ever heard. Uh, <laughs> It's called Go Down But Don't Bite It, produced by Chub Rock and the Trackmasters. Yes. That early 90s Trackmasters select records connection. Really interesting. Um, but yeah, she had a pretty short career. It's just interesting that they had this real Roxanne character who was played by two different people. Yeah, and there's there's a um there's there's a uh think about right now um um there's a belief that's the best word i can think of and okay. there's about a hundred answer records oh god yeah. yes <laughs> there's <laughs> Which is just crazy there's, 
Roxanne's brother, Roxanne's mother, Roxanne's doctor, Roxanne's parents. There's just Roxanne everything. Roxanne's gynecologist? Probably. <laughs> I, I think that's what Roxanne's doctor is about. Okay. But honestly, I haven't heard it. I mean, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, just do your Googles. and it's, I think most of that stuff is out there. <laughs> but um, one more artist I wanted to mention from that era was uh, Sparky D who in 1985 put out uh, Sparky's Turn, a.k.a. Roxanne, You're Through, which was a basically a diss record of Roxanne Shantae. And um, she actually put out a joint EP with Roxanne Shantae in 1985. So they were kind of really trying to capitalize on the whole Roxanne Wars. Um, this, this EP featured a couple songs by both women and then a joint record called Round One, where they're battling each other. And spoiler alert, uh, Roxanne Shante absolutely destroys Sparky D. It's not Roxanne, you're really finished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Roxanne finished Roxanne. Or yeah. Finished Sparky, who's perpetrating Roxanne. Yeah. The whole so, Roxanne thing was over. The whole Roxanne. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sparky D went on to put one more album in 1988 called this is sparky d's world i have no idea what that sounds like but you know i'm sure it's out there yeah but just to go back to uh roxanne shante for a minute so like she put out some 12 inch singles after uh roxanne's revenge but didn't release an album until 1989 called uh bad sister produced by marley marl um you may remember the song live on stage if you were watching Rap City or Yo MTV Raps back then. And then she came back in 1992 with the song Big Mama. Um, now this is, you want to talk about diss tracks, this is pretty vicious. This is a song where she disses by name Queen Latifah, Moni Love, MC Light, and Yo-Yo. She mentions Isis and Salt and Pepper, but kind of in the same way that that Jay-Z, rep, um, that he mentioned Nas on the original version of Takeover. At the very end, he just says, you know, ask Nas, he don't want it well, with Ho. Yeah. She kind of does that here with Salt and Pepper and Isis. But um, this is a track that was actually both produced and ghostwritten by Granddaddy IU of um, Cold Chillin'. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. But it kind of felt a little desperate because none of those women had ever said anything about um, Roxanne Shantae. It was just mm. like, you know, I need to put my name back out there, so I'm gonna gotta get it out. These women, that blueprint yeah. still followed today. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, if for some strange reason you were doing the unhealthy practice of taking shots every time we mentioned the name Roxanne, please call us and let us know <laughs> if you're okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, moving on. We will not be responsible. <laughs> we are not responsible at all. Alcohol-related injuries. <laughs> um, so, moving on to Salt and Pepper, 1980. Well, this, sorry. Ooh, what did I miss? Just real quick, I just wanted to mention that Roxanne Shante has a biopic coming out this year. Yes! I'm called, uh, yeah, Roxanne Roxanne, starring, ironically enough, an actress named Shante Adams. And then... How Marshala, did they do that? Yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, then you have Mahershala Ali, the who's incredibly hot right now, and um, Nia Long is in it. And the movie is co-produced by Pharrell Williams. So check that out. Okay. Buy the ticket when they drop it. All right. Um, so yeah, so moving on to Salt and Pepper, 1985. Um, so Salt and Pepper, they actually worked at a uh, Sears rec Sears, not Sears Records. Uh, Sears department store <laughs> with um, along with Herbie, Love Boy, Gazor, Kid, Kid and Play, and Martin Lawrence. They all work together. And, and, and I could actually imagine which Sears it was because I, I, I remember what area they were from and uh, <laughs> I wasn't living too far away. Okay. Yeah. But um, so they linked up with uh, Herbie, Love Bug, and recorded a record called The Showstopper, which was a response to the show by Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick. Random shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were following the uh, Roxanne Wars blueprint. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So that was on Pop Art Records, which was a Philly record label. And then they followed that up with the album Hot, Cool, and Vicious in 1996. 1986, sorry. Um, this album had a... It, it went platinum. So they were the first female rap act to go platinum. So that's a milestone. Um, but they really didn't blow up until the remix of Push It, um, which was the B-side of Tramp. And um, they later on added that remix to the album. Like, I believe the CD version of the album is different from the original vinyl version. Because the original vinyl version doesn't have Push It. It has some extra yeah. remixes. Yeah, and that got yeah. added 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And Push It still gets licensing for Push Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're eating off of that pretty well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> A little well. Yeah. Um... So then the second album was Assault with a Deadly Pepper, which is a great, great play on words. I, I didn't like catch that. it. I like that. I, I didn't catch it either. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I didn't catch it till years later. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have Shake Your Thing, uh, a.k.a. It's Your Thing, which was huge. It was a big record. Everybody Get Up, which is a great record. And um, that album went gold. It, so not quite as successful, but it was still a solid album. Got a lot of uh, video play. Um, but later what on, happened you, next? So what happened next was Black's Magic in 1990. Um, this is where they started to produce their own music. Uh, Salt did some, did a few songs on the album herself, including the song Expression, which was the first single from the album. Um, they had the huge Let's Talk About Sex, which, yeah, that that blew up, um, so to speak. And, you know, it was a record that was, frankly, a talking about sex in a, in a very mature and open way, which was, you know, not done very often, especially not by women. So that was that was a huge milestone. It was. It definitely yeah. was. And the remix kind of blew up as well. Yeah. Yeah, that song was just everywhere. Oh, my yeah. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> my Lord. I feel like it was used in a lot of um, PSAs to teenagers. <laughs> you know? It was. It was. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you got to think that this was before some of their other big hits that people really know them for. Yeah. So, yeah, so speaking of that, um, three years later, they came out with Very Necessary, uh, which sold seven million records worldwide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Um, and they were the, again, they were the first female rap act to go multi-platinum with that, which, you know, featured mega hits Shoop, which featured, um, what's the guy's name? Big Chuan Lover, who no one has ever heard from again after that. The greatest ever. Yeah. Um, and you have, of course, the mega single "What a Man" with In Vogue. Oh God. That's yeah, that was loaded. that was everywhere. <laughs> and then they had the song "None of Your Business," which is less known, but actually won a Grammy in uh, 1995 for best rap performance. Um, which was the first female rap Grammy awarded. So, yeah, so that album was huge. And I think, unfortunately, they never really would, like, so after that album, they had a lawsuit with uh, Herbie Lovebug. They had to sue him, and uh, they eventually left him. And so they put out an album in 1997 called Brand New after a long hiatus. And, nah, um, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't do too well. Didn't go anywhere. Didn't really have any hits. But um, yeah, Salt and Pepper. I mean, There's, as far as they are legends when it comes are, to yeah rap overall, let alone just female MCs. Yeah, a lot of milestones, Grammys, record sales, anything. And they still like tour to this day. They still, you know, they're still performing their hits. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that they're 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 doing all right. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're good. doing all right. What about Light the MC? MC okay, Light. Okay, MC Light. Um, 
So her first record came out in 1987 called I Cram to Understand You. Now she was down with uh, First Priority Records, which was Nat Robinson and his um, two sons, Milk D and, and Gizmo. Now a lot of people uh, think that MC Light is related to them, but she's actually not. They were just really close. Yeah. Like, I know for the longest time, I thought Milk D was her brother. I thought no. so too, but no. But no. Um, so her first album came out in 1988. Uh, it was called Light as a Rock. Uh, big record, had a lot of hits. Um, this is technically speaking, if you can believe this, the first female rap solo album in 88. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Full, yeah. A full-blown album didn't come until 88 for females, yeah. which, I mean, everybody likes to date hip-hop back to 73, and of course, the first albums were like in the early 80s, so, you know, it was about time for a solo female to get their turn. Yeah, and I think that's maybe just because groups were more popular back in the day. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely a group thing, and we yeah. already mentioned that we did have um, some all-female groups. Um, but for a solo female to hold an album down, I mean, that was a big deal. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, I won't say it's not a big deal these days. I mean, it still kind of is, unfortunately yeah. or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it. But to have that happen back then, and especially for somebody who could really spit, yeah. um, you know, as MC Light could and still can, um, it was a big deal. So, but yeah, I mean... She had production from Audio 2, King of Chill, Prince Paul, the legendary. Yeah, yeah. You had um, Light as a Rock with um, a popular video and house remix. Uh, Cram yeah. To, Cram, I Cram to Understand You was also on there, right? On that album? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the house remix of Light as a Rock is probably the one that most people are familiar with. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so then, yeah, Paper Thin, the, the great Paper Thin oh. on that album as well. With that cool if you Subway remember, video. The Subway, <laughs> yes. Who can forget the Subway video? Absolutely. Um, so then between this and her second album, she did a, a record with Sinead O'Connor, if you can believe it, called <laughs> um, I Want Your Hands On Me. That was on the Sinead O'Connor's 1988 album. Ah. Yeah, so that, that's kind of an obscure record, but... It's an early collaboration. And um, one thing about Light um, that we want to touch on real quick was she just had that unique voice, which, oh, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it was it was husky, it was deep. You know, in some, um, in some of the songs, it just came off real hard. And, and because of that, um, her voice has been sampled numerous times. I mean, just yeah. listen to her verse on self-destruction, and you're like wow, I've heard that sampled, I've heard that sampled, like, every other line, and, and, you know, you hear it on her other records, too. Yeah. Um, so then her, uh, second album, Eyes on This, had, you know, Cha Cha Cha, which is one of my absolute favorite rap records of all time. Like, I can say it word for word. Maybe not backwards, but definitely forwards. <laughs> I can say it. Okay. Um, that song had the ill bass line. It's just it's just a perfect record. Um, and then you also had Cappuccino and uh, Stop Look and Listen. But wait, we but, didn't touch on Ten Percent Diss, did we? Um, I'm gonna get to that. Okay. So, but yeah, th that was on um, Light as a Rock, and that was a single that she released as well. But yeah, I'm gonna talk about that a little more later. Um. So then she had Eyes on This in 1989. No, we mentioned that. And then Act Like You Know in 91, which kind of had a, had a more of an R&B sound on certain records. Like the first single, um, When In Love, and then Eyes Are The Soul. Definitely going for the club vibe. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was what um, Light was going to move on to after that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It, it was kind of like that that hard that hardcore sound that she started with and then the hardcore sound that she would go on to be was kind of uh, put on put on hiatus with this album. Yeah, yeah, she I guess was trying to soften her image a little bit. But um I think the most notable song from that album is Poor Georgie, which was I think the second single. 
and just you know great record a story rap about like a boyfriend who was an alcoholic and it's a heavy record yeah, yeah um nice. and then so in 1993 two years later she followed that up with ain't no other which i think was a direct response to act like you know people were maybe you know not so happy with her softening her sound so in this album she turned it up to 11. uh she did man and i i, I don't even know if i was really even ready for this i was like no what? yeah so you know what <laughs> right, right yeah so she came out the gate with Roughneck, where she com- sounds completely different, almost, dare I say, Onyx-like. Onyx! Yeah. <laughs> um, but that single, Roughneck, was nominated for a Grammy. Um, she was the first solo rap uh, Grammy nominee yeah. for Roughneck. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that Roughneck, um, that album was just like... Uh, I mean, the music behind it was definitely a harder feel yeah. than the previous album, and it was just like, okay, okay, I can hang with the big boys. Like, it's not like she didn't already prove that before coming right. out the gate, but it was just really hardcore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be hanging with the Naughties and the Onyxes and whatever, yeah. and just saying, like, I'm a female. I can rap too. I can hang out. You know, all of that, and yeah. um. It, it, it was also showing a little bit of more, I guess, an independence as opposed to maybe the previous album, which was a little bit softer. Um, you know, songs like Roughneck, uh, Paul, um, you know, some other album cuts that were on there was just really like, you know, I'm doing me. I'm doing yeah. me. Um, yeah. I think she overdid it. A little bit. You think so? It's a, it's a little much. You think she kicked in the door and annihilated she, the door? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that album is very, I'd say, very dated. If you listen to it now, it definitely sounds like 1993. Yeah. It's it <laughs> even from the production standpoint, it just has that 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 stink of '93. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean that like that i mean i like a lot of 93 records this is a great year but there's stuff that you listen to and it's like oh yeah this is 93. true true very and, true very true yeah that definitely uh, fits the description so then after that she kind of faded out a bit she had the album bad as i want to be in 96 which is really only notable for the song cold rocker party the remix uh, featuring Missy Elliott, uh, produced by Puff Daddy. This was when Puffy was uh, lightning hot, so it became yeah. a hit record. Um, and the album did well, too. Yeah, and then she released four more albums after that, which, you know, didn't really make too much noise. But but she was still resilient with being able to spit and just, you know, let people know that... Uh, Light should be recognized as one of the legends. Um, you know, there were there were a number of records, including a uh, a cover of um, Top Billin' with Milk D on uh, the Seven album. Um, yeah. But definitely check those out. You'll definitely find some uh, uh, great records on those last four. And um, you know, Light is doing a lot of like voiceover work, and she still she looks amazing. And yeah, uh, she does. So yeah, shout out to MC Light. Um, so 10% this, just to go back, it was one of her first records. It was actually a response to Antoinette, who released the record I Got an Attitude in 1987. Now she was another protege of Herbie Lovebug. Um, and you want to talk about deep voices. Antoinette <laughs> had a had a super deep voice. Right. But yeah, so um, the song I got an attitude kind of sounded, the beats kind of sounded like top billing, as did a lot of songs, I think, back then. But, um, so yeah, 10% this was a response to that. Antoinette put on an album in 87 called Who's the Boss, and another one in 1990 called Burning the 20 Below. She didn't really make a lot of noise after that, but she kind of popped back up in 1997 on Crew's album. Uh, the, the Dirty 30 on the the record Blunts and Bakakimis. I have no idea what a Bakakimi is, 
But mm, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. She's she's on there and I think that was the last time anyone ever heard from her. So shout out to Antoinette. Out. Moving on to the West Coast. JJ um, Fat. That's right. Uh and they're here to rock. <laughs> you have uh Supersonic in nineteen eighty seven. A record that years. was thirty years, that's right. Yeah. Um produced by Arabian Prince, um an early member of NWA who went on to do some electro type stuff. But um yeah, and you have Supersonic, which I mean was kind of an electro record. It was really reflective of the LA rap scene at that time. Um their album um appropriately titled Supersonic the Album. Uh, went gold um, and the CD is called Supersonic the Compact Disc which I, I think is funny and if you're curious because you know some people are uh, the the name JJ Fad initially stood for the names of the girls in the group but the lineup changed and then uh, they just ended up saying it was just Jam and Fresh and Death right yeah um so yeah, they went on to do the album Not Just a Fad in 1990, which was of course ironically titled because they kind of were just a fad. <laughs> like, they really had the one hit record and that was about it. But um, yeah, so Supersonic went on to be, would you say inspired Fergalicious? Or was it sampled by? Uh, well, so here, here it is. Um, I mean, obviously, if you have heard Supersonic a hundred times and then um, back in, I believe it was 06, heard Fergalicious, you, you, you would see that there's definitely a relation. Um, you know, uh, there there is uh, the way um, Fergie's cadence was over the record and, of course, the, the uh, one of the verses where your raps ridiculously fast just like one of the verses on supersonic um there was actually a lawsuit where um uh i think it was arabian prince had uh reached out to the record label like um uh black eyed peas gave credit where credit was due you know knowing that the songs were related um but uh the real beef was with the record label and i don't know where but, yeah, but yeah, there was a, a situation, <laughs> so to speak. Um, it also inspired uh, more recently uh, Killer Mike's uh, verse in one of the songs off of uh, Run the Jewels' uh, Run the Jewels Three, um, as far as how his cadence was on uh, uh, one of their songs. Yeah, um, yeah, that some <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been interpolated a lot. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, like a like a roots record. It was like a obscure roots record where Black Thought did the same thing. I think it was New Year's at JD's, which was like a B-side. But um, anyway, moving on. 1988. Uh, you have Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah, all yeah. of the queen. Yes, yes. Please hail her. <laughs> um, so she was down with the Flavor Unit. Um, she was her producer was Mark the Forty Five King, the legendary Mark the Forty Five King. Yeah. Um, if if you are a newer hip hop fan, you might know him from Stan or Hard Knock Life, but he was her primary producer. Um, she put out the record Wrath of My Madness in 1988. Um, great song, classic song, and then followed that up with the album All Hail the Queen. In 1989, I'll tell me, boy. She had the first single, Dance For Me. Um, she had the the infamous Ladies First. Yes. Featuring Moni Love. And um, I'm convinced, I just want to say this, that okay. if Hillary had won uh, the presidency, oh. that they would have had to ask her to perform that song at the inauguration and bring I don't out think Moni. I don't think they would have, but they should have. <laughs> they should have. Yeah. But we'll never know. We'll never know, unfortunately. Maybe in our lifetime that'll happen. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, hopefully us and the Queen will still be around for that. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you had... Um, you also had Mama Gave Birth to the Soul Children featuring De La Souls, produced by 
Prince Paul. They were, of course, label mates. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a classic album. And then, again, with the... As we saw with MC Light, she followed that up with Nature of a Sister in 1991, which kind of has more of an R&B flavor. Um, she had the song Fly Girl, which was the first single, and then uh, How Do I Love Thee, which is like a spoken word track, which is kind of whispering. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, it, it is definitely uh, falling along the lines of that club vibe. Yeah. Um, of that time and, and it, it would have it, it if you were playing a club set now a uh, um, uh, a soulful house set now and slid that in it would fit right in yeah and um I, I guess you could see early on that she wanted to kind of spread her wings and expand her sound a little bit but she did have Latifah's Had It Up To Here which was produced by Naughty By Nature it was a much harder record um, yeah. Um, so then her third album in 1993, Black Rain, kind of is one that really blew up. Um, it went platinum. Uh, she had the classic UNITY on there. Um, the song Just Another Day. Who are you calling a bitch? That's right. Going back to the UNITY. Yeah. You know, cut off shorts because it's crazy hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, then she had Black Hand, Black Hand Side on there. And then another song where she was singing, uh, Weekend Love, which was a single. Um, so then after that, she that's when she got more into... I think she was doing Living Single around that time. So she got more into the acting side of things. But she came back in 1998 to do the album Order in the Court. I don't know how big that album was. Her uh, she, hair was on fire on the album cover. On the album cover, yeah. <laughs> she looked very angry. And she had the song Bananas that was, I think, was uh, written by Apache. And, um, yeah. The rest of her albums are mostly singing. She did the Dana Owen albums. Dana Owen's album, which was like a jazz album. And a couple more. Yeah, she, she, she had some rapping appearances here and there. Um, yeah. You know, she. Uh, I think she was on a, um, a Rhyme Fest mixtape um, a few years later, and um, I think there was rapping within that. I don't know when that uh, Foxy Queen Latifah beef was. Oh yeah. But yeah, there, <laughs> there was that too. What was that about? Do you have any idea? I really don't even know. But I don't either. we 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 can catch you up on that on the next episode. Ooh. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. So then, speaking of ladies first, you have Moni Love, who, you know, she was from the UK, and there were a couple of rappers from the UK, female rappers. You had the Cookie Crew. Ah, the Cookie Crew. You remember them? them. Yes. Um, The Wee Papa Girls. Um, And there's there's some I'm missing, too. But, yeah, so she had a record in 1988 called I Can Do This, which I think only came out in the UK. Um... And you have Down to Earth in 1990, which featured the hit Money in the Middle. Where's she at? In the Middle. Oh! <laughs> um, you had the second single, It's a Shame, which the video was the remix, but I personally prefer the album version. But um, that album had production from Africa Baby Bambada and the Beat Nuts. This is 1990, so it's very early. Mm-hmm. Um, Juju did a track called Pups Looking Bone interesting title <laughs> um and then in 93 her second album in a word or two um was produced mostly by marley marl and then she had two tracks produced by prince surprisingly enough what yeah that warner brothers connection yeah yeah she also had um that uh song that i really 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 liked um on the uh Kid and Play movie, a class act, uh, full term love. Oh yeah, love that's that right. Song, that was on that album. Yeah, more of an R and B flavor. I think her second album too was more, a little softer. Right. So then, moving on to the '90s, stomping into the '90s. Yo yo. You have Yo Yo from the West Coast. Yeah, you had a number of females uh, making their moves on the West Coast. I mean. Yeah. 
we're talking about Yo-Yo first and foremost, but there were others. Um, Oak Town's 357, uh, Hose with Attitude, um, and some others that we'll mention in a bit. Yeah. But with Yo-Yo, um, she debuted on Ice Cube's It's a Man's World. America's Most Wanted. America's Most Wanted. And then um, came out with her own album, Make Way for the Motherload on Atlantic in 91. Yep. And came out with singles stomp into the 90s. You can't play with my yo-yo. That was, yeah, it's her biggest hit. Yeah. Great song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She followed that up with Black Pearl in 92, which was, again, uh, an R&B-influenced second album. And I once think, again. Yeah, once again. And I think it was just a matter of marketing. Um, and I feel that as far as... Um, the, uh, the female point of view of hip-hop, yeah, I totally understand marketing, trying to sell some records, blah, 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 but I felt that those second albums for some of the bigger artists, it was really short, short-changing them. You know, yeah. I think women, of course, can be allowed to be whatever it is that they want to be, whether they want to be soft, whether they want to be hard, whether they, you know, whatever emotions that they want to show, but... It, it seemed kind of like a cop out to just have them all do R and B style albums on the second yeah. round. Yeah. So. Um. So she followed that up in 1993 with "You Better Ask Somebody." He better. Again, <laughs> well, it was a more, it was a harder edge album. She actually on that album has a line where she says that Black Pearl shit was whack. <laughs> so, you know, that that shows her what her mindset was. Yeah. Um. But this album isn't. It sounds a lot less forced than MC Lights Ain't No Other. It sounds pretty natural. Right. So, it's a good album. It's pretty solid. Um, and then after that, she followed that up with Total Control in 96, which didn't make too much noise. And then Ebony in 1998, which didn't actually come out. But there's promo copies of it floating around here and there. Um, Yo-Yo went on to do Miss Rap Supreme on Ego Trip. Yeah. And... You know, on VH1. Yeah, and then, like uh, the, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it was like the follow-up to the White Rapper show. Oh, okay. And then um, she had some, of course, notable uh, collabos. Uh, one with Patra for Romantic Call. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the um, the uh, the three prominent female MCs on uh, Brandy's uh, um, I Want to Be Down remix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which we were lucky enough to celebrate uh, recently on, um, I think it was on uh, BT Hip Hop Awards, I believe. I'm not sure. Yeah, and that was um, Queen Latifah, MC Light, and her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so then moving on to 1991, you have Nikki D, who... I think she was the first female rapper on Def Jam. Yeah, the, the legendary Def Jam records. It came yeah. all the way to 91. Um, and her first video actually had, like, they kind of, I think they showed, like, Def Jam, like, platinum gold records. Like, like uh, they were really playing up the fact that she was the first female rapper on Def Jam in the video. But um, she had the album Daddy's Little Girl in 91 with the title track that blew up, sampled uh, Tom's Diner by Suzanne Vega. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then she went on to do the song Freak Out from 93, down with Flavor Unit. Yeah. And, and, and just a note on the first album. The first album, if you've ever heard it, um, we talked about Roughneck. We talked about some of Queen's albums. This album really um uh hardcore yeah. aggressive out there yeah. um yeah you know it's some of the uh topics she talked about like um uh molestation mm. um um you know uh, uh disrespect for one's body and um a lot of different topics and and, and it was it was a good album and uh you know well well she 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 definitely got everywhere that she needed to get to as far as the topics that she wanted to touch on. You could tell. Yeah. I think Nikki D was definitely like a preview of what was to come in the 90s with female rappers. Yeah. In terms of like her frankness. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Um, So then in 92 you have you have TLC which obviously was not a rap group 
but Left Eye was like the rapper of the group. And uh, their first album came out in 92. Ooh, on the TLC tip. <laughs> um, and then they put out three more albums, of course. And then she did a solo record in 2001 called Supernova, which didn't get released in the U.S. Um, and then she signed with Death Row in 2002, oddly enough. And then was going to do a record called Nina, but that didn't come out either. Well, she passed away in 2002 before that could happen, unfortunately. Yeah, um, some of the vocals ended up being used or either used or will be used later on um, TLC's albums that they uh, came out with uh, post her death. 3D, I think. Uh, yeah, 3D. And, um, you know, uh, I guess as far as notes um, on her contribution to TLC being one third of uh, the group, um, she was very playful with her lyrics mm-hmm. and um, it was always uh, the entertaining portion of whatever songs that Tia, um, T-Boz and Chili were singing over um, and um, you know some of her verses are, are pretty well known and of course also some of her features uh, Waterfalls yeah, huge yeah yeah definitely um, and I don't know how they go through performing those songs without her I mean obviously mm-hmm. it's something that they have to do um, I know that some of the more um, visible performances that they've done recently, they've actually brought on uh, Little Mama to replace her, who mm. actually played her um, in, in the movie. In the movie um, did a very good job. TLC. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, rest in peace, uh, Left Eye. Absolutely. So, um, so then, also in '92, you have Digable Planets and Ladybug Mecca with uh, Rebirth of Slick, a.k.a. Cool Like That. Um, They put out just two albums, uh, Reachin' in 1993 and then Blowout Comb in 94, which was an extremely jazz-heavy record. Um, Nice, easy flow, you know, um, really, really wordy. This is when you really started to get to the area of just... uh, wordy female MCs, which we, mm-hmm. we definitely had a few of um, um, just exploring uh, uh, different areas of, of language and uh, uh, really just flowing um, and uh, of course you know really getting into the whole um, jazzy vibe of the uh, early to mid 90s that definitely was uh, Digable Planets' blueprint um, and uh, I wish that they would have released more albums. I mean, she's yeah. definitely been working um, all through these years, uh, doing solo work and also collaborating with other groups. Um, yeah. Most recently, the, um, uh, the what was the name of the group with the Prince, yeah, with Prince Paul and a Brazilian rapper. Yeah, um, that was last year. So um, she's she's definitely still been doing it. Yeah, I think she was also in that Dino Five group that Prince Paul had. Oh. They did, like, the kids' rap album. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So then, just to kind of go through some groups who, you know, just maybe didn't have a lot of music, but just to note them, Oaktown's 357, of course, Oakland's own. They were down with uh, MC Hammer. They put out two albums. They had the huge hit, uh, Juicy Got You Crazy, which was a song that I had no idea what that meant when it came out. I was like nine. <laughs> I think I even asked my cousin what it meant and they just laughed at me. Um, what does it mean? Juicy got you crazy. It's talking about that juice, son. <laughs> you know? Um, you got HWA, also from the West Coast. Um, they put out two albums. Um, they were on Ruthless, like past their heyday. Um, very scantily clad. Of course, HWA holds with attitude, playing off NWA. Mm-hmm. You know, also playing off NWA, BWP, bitches with problems. They were on Def Jam. They put out one album. Ice Cream T, who was down with Jazzy J, put out one album. MC Trouble, who put out one album passed away in 1990 I'm sorry 91 
And she got a shout out from Fife on uh, vibes and stuff. More of an R&B flavor. Yeah. You got MC Peaches in 91 who had a record that sampled Every Breath You Take. Um, Miss Melody, who was married to KRS-One, put out an album called Diva in 1989. Uh, she passed away in 2012. And, and of course, she had uh, some uh, lyrics on uh, self-destruction. Yeah, that's probably what she's most known for. And then you have, um, speaking of BDP, you have Heather B., who debuted on the song Seven DJs on Edutainment in 1990, put out a solo record called I Get Wreck in 92. Um, and then she did The Real World, where she was on the first season. Oh, yeah. Um, she had an album in 96 called Taken Mine, produced by Kenny Parker. Pretty hard album. With the song My Kinda Nigga with M.O.P. All Clocks Down, which was a very hard anti-gun record, which is dope. Um, then she had an album called Eternal Affairs in 2002. And you can hear her on uh, Sway's Universe, like, every day. Every day? Yeah, so she's doing well. Um, and then we're going to round this out we're talking about some white female MCs. <laughs> um... You had Terry B, who was on Ruthless. She put out an album in 1990 called Power of a Woman. And if you Google her today, you'll probably find that she's one of the first women to accuse Dr. Dre of battering her, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But, um, and then finally you have, you want to go super obscure, a woman called Icy Blue. Blue. Who put out an album in 1991. I think she had no business rapping whatsoever. Oh, man. She was like the female version of Vanilla Ice. And that's all I'm going to say about her. Icy Blue, Vanilla Icy Ice, Blue. Association. Yeah. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they didn't even try to hide that at all. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a question for you because we've been talking about milestones and all of that. Yes. So, uh, a female MC that we didn't talk about today, but we'll talk about in a couple future episodes, um, or maybe the next one. Yeah. Um, Shauna, who of course many know for her uh, association with the infamous Syndicate and of course Ludacris. Serving um, the peace. Yeah. She was one of six female rappers to be featured on a song that was number one on the Billboard 100. Um, that, of course, was Stand Up with Ludacris. Mm-hmm. So there's five other female MCs who have been featured on a number one song in the country. Can you name those five? Can you name them? Well, we'll find out. Well, can you? Can I name them? <laughs> um, Missy Elliott? Nope. <laughs> Lil' Kim? Well, that's one. How many chances should I be giving you? I don't know. Oh, God. Um... Salt and Pepper? Nope. Strike two. I think I'll give you another chance. Okay. <laughs> um, left Eye. Okay. I'm going to get the rest of these right on one chance. You got three left. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, uh, who? The Brett? No, you're done. Oh, wow. <laughs> who who was it? Lauren Hill, uh-huh. Remy Ma, mm-hmm. and Fergalicious. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so I think that'll do it. <laughs> Your pride hurt. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm good. Um, that'll do it for part one, though. There's a lot more to come. And, uh, yeah. So, again, I'm Marcus. And I'm Gene. And a uh, couple notes. Uh... I have totally forgotten to be consistent with my hashtag own those bars. Okay. Um, and I definitely want you guys to contribute as far as um, making sure that uh, the world knows who you think has really just been killing it as of late or maybe just a classic uh, hashtag own those bars. Just put it on Twitter. We'll see. Okay. It. Um own those bars recently i would say um an mc uh by the name of saba 
the uh, intro on his uh, his album, uh, basically the first track, um, he's just spitting words, and um, the the track is all of two minutes. The intro, and um, I definitely give him a hashtag on those bars for that. Okay. Um, Chicago. Very wordy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He is doing it. And just to add a classic one, I'm going to give you a bonus because I have not been keeping up on my own those bars. Um, a classic one. Um, since uh, we mentioned a few female MCs, I'm going to pick one right about now. Who should I pick? Don't say anything. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pick... Well... Uh, I guess I'll, I'll I'll just pick one that I didn't really uh, have to think too hard. I would. Cha cha cha. Oh, hashtag own those bars. Cha cha cha. MC Light, the great. Yes. So uh, those are our hashtag own the bars for this week. Own those yep. bars. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as uh, keeping up with us, of course, we're on SoundCloud, as you probably already know. Um, soundcloud.com uh, backslash own uh, dash the excuse me <laughs> own no loops dash no dash loops yes okay and um, you can find us on twitter I am gene at um, old dirty plaster o-l-d-i-r-t-y p-l-a-s-t-e-r and I'm urkel mode u-r-k-e-l m-o-e-d-double-e okay and um, I guess we could end with some uh, notes for life. If you're going to start something, you better finish it and don't do it in uh, five minutes or less. Okay, please. Okay. So, yeah, thank you. Join us next time when we start from 1993. All right. With the women. All right. Peace. All right. Peace. Happy Women's History Month. Yes, happy Women's History Month.